You're listening to the Nerd Cave Network. This is Derek, Derek, Derek. Diamond, Diamond, Diamond. Experience! Alright, and welcome to this week's episode of the Derek Diamond Experience for the week of April 13th, 2015. Hopefully this podcast finds you in a good place, and as always, I am coming to you from the mean streets of Pensacola, Florida. Really the wet and rainy streets of Pensacola. It's been raining all weekend. I'm recording this open early Monday morning. Normally the show would be out by now, and I do apologize that it's not out early Monday morning. But I've been super busy with work. Uh, The Wahoos kicked off their season on Thursday, and today is the last game of this homestand. And the team will be on the road for a couple of weeks, so I'll get a little bit of time to relax and do some other things, catch up on news, because really I've kind of been out of the loop with everything. I know the new Daredevil series came out on Friday, and I did stay up that night to watch the first episode, and it was really, really good. It, It It honestly exceeded my expectations, and I had high expectations going in. But people that I've seen on Facebook that have watched the whole thing have said that it's incredible, and I can't wait to catch up on that. I've got a couple of days off this week, so I do look forward to binge-watching that uh, later on this week. And also this weekend, if you live in the Pensacola area, there's going to be another filmmaker meet-and-greet uh, this coming up Saturday at the Goat Lips restaurant uh, on Copter Road, I believe. It's from 1 to 4 on Saturday, which is April 18th. And there's going to be a panel there about filmmaking on a micro budget. And yours truly is going to be moderating the panel. And not just that, but I'm going to be recording it. And that's going to be the show for next week. It's going to be a little bit different, but for those of you that want to get into filmmaking, I do think you'll especially love it because, as I've said before, those meet and greets offer great networking and it's a great way to meet people in the industry and to find out what kind of projects are going on in the area. And if you want to find out more information about it, just go on Facebook and search for the Emerald Coast Film Group page. But other than that, that's really all I have to talk about for this open. Like I said, I've been kind of out of the loop. There's not really that much to talk about on my end, so we'll get right to our guest this week. And this is an interview I did about a month ago with a filmmaker from Los Angeles. His name is Steve Kahn, and he just directed his first short film called Fear, which he allowed me to see on Vimeo, and it was really, really good. So you'll get to hear about that, him growing up in the world of community theater. And you'll also get to hear about his family history in filmmaking. He has some family members that were in film before he was even born. So it's definitely a very interesting story to see how he got involved with that. And you'll get to hear about our thoughts on the current film industry and where we think it's going. And it's kind of fitting that I'm releasing this interview now with the Daredevil series coming out which is a Netflix original series, because we talk about that and how we think those original series affect television and even the film industry. So it was a really fun interview to do, and I hope you guys enjoy it, and we'll get to it here in just a second. But first, I want to tell you about a fantastic new album from my close friends, the Unicorn Wranglers. It's called Murder Mystery Night and features 10 original tracks, including their new single, Carne Asada, and Twin Peaks, which happens to be the theme song of the Derek Diamond Experience. 
Murder Mystery Night is currently available on iTunes, Amazon, Google Music, and Spotify. And if you're interested in booking them for shows, like them on Facebook, just search for The Unicorn Wranglers. And don't forget to follow them on both Twitter and Instagram, and those handles are at Wranglers. That's at U-W-R-A-N-G-L-E-R-S. Welcome back to the Derek Diamond Experience, here with my special guest this week, Mr. Steve Kahn. Steve, how you doing? I'm great, Derek. Thanks. Good. Great to be here. Oh, good, good. Thank you for coming on. Uh, I know we've you know, been exchanging emails back and forth, and you know we finally set up a time, and uh, you know, I'm, I'm glad to have you on the show. Uh, thanks. It's great to be here. Yeah. So where, where are you calling from? Oh, I'm, I'm in L.A., um, Hollywood. Well, not Hollywood, actually, Studio City. Which, which actually sounds probably a lot better than it is because, um, you know, I don't, I don't know how, how great it is to be a filmmaker in, in Hollywood. I think you could be a filmmaker anywhere. But yeah, Studio City. Right. Yeah, that, and that's kind of an interesting thing because the way that filmmaking used to be is that you would have to go to L.A. But now you see all these huge projects being made in, you know, New Orleans and Georgia. And with the advance of technology, you can make a film yourself in your own yeah. backyard. Absolutely, and I think you know the cameras are cheap and and um, very cheap. I mean, you can get really pro cam and pro quality gear for for really next to nothing. I mean, I mean, there's even features shot now on um, iPhones and things. And you know, the fun thing about not living in in LA or living in, as you said, New Orleans, is I mean, you have this beautiful location that we don't have, you know, in, in LA, because in LA, there's a lot of stuff shot here, and you're kind of used to seeing it. I mean, uh, all over the country, everyone knows what LA looks like, because there's been so much stuff shot here. But it's cool if you're, if you're in the French Quarter, and you, you know, you've, you've just got this amazing built-in um, location. So yeah, take advantage of that, for sure, if you're not in LA. Yeah, New Orleans is definitely a, a very interesting visual place, like you said, with the French Quarter and you know, old school New Orleans, and it, there's just so yeah. many interesting things. Yeah, the cemeteries, the uh, Garden District, it's beautiful there, yeah. Right, right, definitely. Now, are you originally from California? Yeah, actually, I am. I was born and raised here. Oh, cool, cool. Yeah. So have you always lived in, uh, was it Studio City? Yeah, I've lived in, the, you know, the Valley, you know, <laughs> everyone knows the Valley, too. But yeah, I'm from the Valley, and I'm just from here, and um, uh, yeah, and um. Yeah, what can I say? It's 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 how it is in on Saturday Night Live with the Californians and stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Everyone is looking for looking figuring out how to get from from place A to place place B, and then they'll tell you how about it. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> now, growing up uh, in California, because I I'm from Florida, so we're from opposite sides of the coast. Uh, what what were what were some things you were into growing up? Like, were you always a fan of? you know, film related things or like what, what kind of specific things were you interested in? Like as a kid and growing up, you know, actually I grew up in, in kind of a showbiz family. My, my grandfather was a silent movie actor and things. And so, oh, wow. Yeah. And, and, uh, he was a bit kind of a clown. Um, and so I, I grew up doing a lot of community theater when I was a kid and maybe because, you know, it's always around you here. And, you know, I have friends, uh, 
I have a, a, an old acting teacher who says that L.A. is built on this Indian burial ground or something where it's just this creative energy. It's, it's, there's this cra- crazy, uh, chaotic, creative energy. So, I mean, it seems like, you know, everyone comes here to create stuff, and then everyone who's here is kind of like all, on all these tangents trying to create stuff, too. So I was, I was like that as a kid, too. I was always trying to... Um, write stuff or I was in theater and stuff and just I don't know you know just you're kind of drawn to that just being in this atmosphere for some reason now do you think that's part of the reason why you got into community theater because you kind of grew up in a showbiz family maybe that's part of it and also just it just was kind of happening and it I wanted to do it and it seemed fun and um it just seemed like a fun thing to do and I was never kind of a sports kid so it just seemed like a hell of a lot of fun and it was you know when you're 10 years old or 12 years old and you're like playing theater in front of a couple hundred people. And I remember leaving those shows and just, you know, crying my eyes out when they were over and singing the songs and stuff. So it was, you know, it's a great fun thing. Yeah, absolutely. Awesome. So doing community theater, like did you do like say more comedy plays or did you do more drama? Like what, what were, what were your favorite plays to act in? You know, it was it was comedy and drama. I mean, you, the stuff you do at ten or twelve isn't the stuff you do as an adult. But yeah, it was. You know, I think it was a lot of um, the things that I guess I remember the most were the musicals because you know the the songs would just hit you and you know you would just like I said I would be driving on my paper route after after the sh- show closed and I would just be crying my eyes out because it was so much fun to to do all that stuff and to bond with all the the cast and stuff and yeah. So and it was fun because you know you get to, you get to you know being an actor is great. You get to play. So like I would, you know, I was kind of a nerdy kid, and so you know to play with girls in a different way and just kind of be very like just be very free and wild was fun. Where you couldn't really do that, where I couldn't do that because I was too nerdy as a kid. So it was very freeing, and 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 I I guess that's what drew drew me to it when I was an adult. It was just it's such a freeing thing. Because, you know, in the real world, you, you can't play. You know, we're, we're, right. we're very serious about business and about what we're doing. But uh, movies or theater is just so much just about being goofy and letting yourself just kind of go with things and play. And so that, that's, that drew, that's always drawn me. That's always been the, the most fun aspect. It's a good way to escape reality. It really is. So you, you said you were a nerdy kid. What, what specific nerdy things were you into? Oh, I'm like, I was so nerdy. Like, I remember I was, must have been 13, and then there was this girl coming over, a couple of girls coming over, and, and we were doing some kind of study group. And so I remember, I mean, I wasn't really even into chess. I was kind of into chess, but I remember drawing, writing, like, chess moves on this book, just to kind of put that out there, to think that that was kind of impress her in some weird way. So, I mean, come on. <laughs> it totally didn't work. But it's just like, I, you know, I would look back, I'm like, I mean, it just was so, I was just so nerdy and just like so wrong with how I, you know, was approaching girls. And, and I, I don't know, I felt always like so awkward and gawky. So, I mean, that's why, you know, the theater helped with that. But um, yeah, just stupid stuff, you know, and, and I don't know, I mean, introverted. And I guess a lot of people must maybe relate to that because, because, um, you know, what can I say? But anyway, the chess move, don't write chess moves on a book when girls coming over if you're 14 and think that's going to work because <laughs> it really didn't. Um, but hey, you got to say something about the effort, though. Yeah, you know, you got to try, I guess, yeah, right? Gr- girls love effort. 
So you do do that, okay? Yeah. I mean, that's that's what they tell me. So yeah. But, I, but I'm like, I, I haven't tried to, you know, impress one that does like effort. So uh, maybe oh, maybe they're out there at some point. Oh, this girl was gorgeous, but I think she when she was thirteen or fourteen, she was like dating a nineteen year old. So I I had no chance in hell. Oh well, but still, you know, sometimes you just got to try. So yeah, absolutely. Yeah, um, I've had a few. Uh, actors on my show that have done community theater as well, and they say that their favorite thing to do is to play a villain, or at least that's what most of them have said, because in a way you get to act like, you know, in a way that you couldn't in real life, you know, you could do these, you know, evil things, but, you know, in a fun comedic way. And get yeah. away and get away with it. Do you do you have an experience with that? And if so, is that true? You know, I think I I remember once playing um, a space creature, space kind of robot. Oh, that's awesome! And I, rem- I remember when I did the voice in the first reading, everyone laughed, and all the girls like looked at me, and all the I mean, like I was felt like I was the center of attention. I felt like I was kind of the king of the world. So that for me was just like you know doing that kind of crazy character and this voice that came out of nowhere um, was just like, yes, this feels awesome. This is crazy. So, yeah. Yeah. It it seems like it would be fun. I mean, I I did a little bit of, you know, I was in school plays when I was a kid, but I haven't done any really like theater acting or anything like Mm -hmm. that. But I, I respect theater actors immensely because they have to memorize an entire script from beginning to end. Whereas opposed to film, you can memorize, you know, certain parts of it, or if you forget something, you can just ask for your line. But in the theater environment, you can't do that. Yeah, it's amazing because I've, I, you know, I'm like you. I'm horrible at memorizing stuff. I would just pull my hair out to 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 memorize things. But I've worked with some actors, and I think for some reason, women seem to be especially good at this, and they can just pick it up um, a couple readings, and they've got it. And it just it blows me away because. You know, you're right. That's just such a tough thing sometimes, and and they can do, really do it. And some people's brains are just wired differently. It's it's pretty. It's a, it's an amazing gift. Yeah, I I'm totally impressed with people that can do that. Uh, what what were some of your favorite movies uh, growing up? Oh, you know, I think my God, I think early mem- on movies were like Star Wars and Raiders of the Lost Ark. Just just epic kind of adventures i was hoping you'd say those two <laughs> yeah you know those it's amazing because then i and i remember trying to, to make my own kind of you know like when you're a little kid trying to make your own star wars or raiders but those movies i mean they were just as like for a kid and i don't you know i don't think they're made like if you if i was a kid growing up today i would have to go back to those movies too because i don't think there's anything like that um but yeah those were amazing right oh absolutely yeah just the the fun adventure movies were especially good, you know, as a kid, because then you can imagine yourself just going on this, you know, huge space adventure or to find some kind of ancient relic like Indiana Jones. So it, it, it's movies like that are just fun. Um, growing up in a showbiz family, do you think that was the reason that you eventually got into film or was it more of, you know, just you thinking yourself, this is what I want to do? Um, you know, I think that probably me thinking that this is just what, what I want to do. I mean, uh, um, I guess so. I mean, I think that, you know, I, I, I kind of believe that we're all here. We all kind of have like 
we all have like this passion and, and reason for being here. And for me, it was always just really writing and just um, writing and thinking of stories and things. And so yeah, I've just always liked that. Was there some kind of uh, like, was it a certain movie that inspired you to do it? Or is it just something that, you know, you thought this is what I want to do? Yeah. Um, you know, so, so it's interesting. I loved, I loved all these great movies we were just talking about. And when I finished college um, and acting school, I went out and I started auditioning, you know, in the professional world. And I just, I just hated the things that I was auditioning for. And I just, I just really, they weren't Raiders of the Lost Ark and they weren't Star Wars and they weren't great adventures. And they were just kind of mundane, mostly TV shows and some mundane movies. And I just, I'm a crazy person when I, because when I work, I just put, put down everything like I would get an I would get an audition and I'd get my sides and I would just drop my whole life for a day or a couple days or a week until the audition came and then I would get in the crazy character and I would do the crazy voice or I'd be I would be you know in the in the casting director waiting room you know basically prepared which is you know when you or you're an actor you have to prepare to go on stage so same thing with when you see a casting director you have to prepare so I'd get emotionally involved and very deep into the character and sometimes, you know, that's very emotionally deep. So I would go to hit, see the casting director and the guy or girl, Most I remember a couple of times it was a guy, he would look at me like I was crazy because, I, you know, who, you know, come in, hello, come in and say hello, actor, and and introduce yourself and then you know, put fake something and give me the fake thing. And I wanted to give him the real thing. So um, I don't think that helped me because I couldn't play like I did when I was, you know, 12 doing the crazy voice and um, and I made the whole class laugh, and the whole, and all the girls kind of look at me in the way that I wanted them to. It didn't work with these casting directors. They they just and I didn't I didn't understand that and fit in with that. So at some point, I just decided that I, I just it wasn't for me, and I had to go back to writing, which is what I really wanted to do, and make my own projects because um, it felt better, and it you know it just felt more like the right path for me. So that's when I. I began um, writing and making my own films. So you went from the acting side to doing the writing, you know, more behind the camera type stuff. Right. Exactly. Did you go to, did did you go to a film school to learn these different things or did you just kind of teach yourself? I I didn't, but you know, the greatest film school I really do think is just um, one, having a good, good appreciation for films, but two, there's, there's so many um, great um, YouTube videos and, and great um, uh, ca- uh, camera bulletin boards and things where, where people share um, advice and knowledge and things. And, and, and you can just learn also just by getting a camera and playing with it too. So um, I think all of those things, you know, just shooting a lot. Um, and I, I actually, I've always shot photos since I was a little kid. I, I was interested, interested in that. So just it all seemed to kind of make sense and add up. But yeah, I've, I mean, I've, done, I've watched tons and tons of tutorials on how to do visual effects and color correction, right, and things like that. Yeah, and it's it's a there's a great resource. I mean, amazing. You can learn everything. Oh, definitely. I mean, we live in the information age, so it, it's it's great to have instant access to things like that. And even with uh, I, I don't know what editing programs you use, but I, I have the Adobe Suite with Premiere, yeah, it's After terrific. Effects, and the the way you can learn is to go on YouTube or Video Copilot and. Oh, just, I love video. Yeah, absolutely. 
Yeah, Andrew Kramer is fantastic. He's fantastic. I've I've watched every. Well, I, I there was a point where I watched all of his tutorials probably more than once. Yeah, we we've watched a lot of his tutorials uh, at work. I do production for our local uh, minor league baseball team, so we do a lot of work with Premiere and After Effects and making you know cool animations and things like that. And Andrew Kramer's been one of the best teachers I've ever had, even though Absolutely. he hasn't directly taught me. It's he's a, he great videos. He's amazing, and Premiere's a great suite too. I I use that suite as well, and it's it's great. Yeah, I mean, I use that for videos, After Effects for animation, audition, you know, to edit audio as well as you know this podcast we're doing. So Adobe to me is my favorite suite that I've ever used more yeah. than Final Cut. I used Final Cut in college, and it was okay. But it was way more complicated than it had to be. I don't know if I, you've ever used Final Cut, but a, 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 t- a touch. But you know, uh, actually, Premiere is really, really the industry standard right now. Oh yeah. So yeah, it's not so much fi- Final Cut anymore. Yeah, and you know, I, when college that was years ago. So that that's when Final Cut was kind of the thing to use, and before that was Avid. And you don't even want to get me started on Avid. I, I, right. Yeah, I could never. I can never get the hang of that. That was the most complicated thing that I've ever used. But um, getting into the film industry, like what specific jobs have you worked? Like have you, have you done a lot of writing? Have you done you know camera work? Like what what specific jobs have you done? Well, so um, I mean, I, I, I so as a living, I, I script doctor, so I rewrite scripts a lot of a lot of times, and. Um, that's kind of my my steady income thing, but I also have directed fashion videos and and um, some music videos and things like that. And um, you know, I, I, I for the most part, I do you know every every aspect of the process, and I've I've just had to teach myself that because in making films and even in doing fashion videos and music videos, there's usually a, a not a lot of money for to hire out. So you know. It's great though to learn every aspect and to do every aspect, but um, yeah, and and so that, that's basically what I've been doing. Yeah, one of the interviews I did a month ago um, is of a with with a director who's also out in L.A. and she said that working all these different jobs, you know, like behind the camera, in front of the camera, it it really gives you an overall appreciation for the filmmaking process as a whole. Do you agree with that? Oh, oh yeah. I mean, it's just you know, I they you know, it's a, it's really a collaborative process. But when you can do, you know, I'm, on my film Fear, I did really everything, and I I just can't tell you how what a joyful experience that is to do. Just to have have your hands on everything, and I mean, I mean, I'm not alone in that. There's been some you know great directors like Stanley Kubrick. Who who just would do every aspect of the process? He started out right. as a as a photographer and a DP, but he was he was like a writer and a director, and you know even down to the to the movie poster as it was being released, he would have his hands on that and oversee that that too. And you know you really I I just think that you really have to do that because um, unless you find really passionate people who are great, um, then you need to. Do it, or you need to have control over it because it won't be great. So, um, and that's true for every every aspect of the process. Yeah, and like you said, I, I respect people that can just completely immerse themselves into their project and do everything. 
the directing, yeah. the photography. That that just takes a level of dedication that's that's almost inhuman. Well, you know, the great thing is, is that you know how it's, you have a more of a, you have more of a you have be- more of a better idea of how things can come out. I mean, so if you know how to shoot and you know photography, you know that how the editing will work and how you how to put something together for an editor. And if you know the editing, then you can um, understand the photography. And if you know both of those, then you can understand aspects of color and, vis- and visual effects that will add together. So I think you know if a director doesn't know all those things. Um, he's, it's really more of a liability than, than an asset. And I don't know, I don't know how a person would work on a set. I think it would be very difficult and frustrating if I, if I was facing that. And that's why I'm so glad that Andrew Kramer put all all those videos and I, I learned so much visual effects because I know that when I'm going to have when I have a shot before I shoot it, I have an idea of how I can get the look I want and if it's possible and, um, you know, all of those things. So that's, you know, that's a load off your mind. Yeah. And whenever I shoot something, like you said, I always like to be the one to edit it because when I shoot it, I have in mind how I want it to go. And instead of just handing it off to someone else and say, hey, edit this, but I'd like it to be done in this certain way, it's just easier if you do all of it in my mind. Yeah, I I think so. I mean, I, I guess it would be fun to collaborate and see um, what people come up with, but I really haven't had that many opportunities to do that. So, um, we'll see. Yeah. And you mentioned your film fear that you, that you directed, correct? Yes. And you were kind enough to give me access to watch it. And I did, and I very much enjoyed it. Um, thank you. How did you come up with the, like, how did you come up with the idea to do fear? What was the inspiration behind it? Well, so, so fear is about, um, you know, the little, um, I don't know what you call it, the little things in, in the world that strike us and can ultimately terrify us. So, you know, I mean, it could, it could be anything. I, I mean, if your car, if you're driving your car and your car starts knocking and making a funny sound, you can work that up in your mind to, um, gonna, you know, break down. And what if I get, when I break down, I, I get mugged and then what if this happens after that? So, I mean, we build these crazy things up in our heads. And so I I just, I noticed that that would happen to me. And I noticed that I saw that all over the place. Like I would, I would watch the the evening news and, you know, before the news would come on at nine o'clock, I'd say, they they would say, Oh, um, did you know that pet birds can kill you now or whatever? So they would, they would have a story and they would inject the story with this fear element that would make me want to tune into 11 and see, oh my God, how could my pet kill me? This is really scary. I better watch this. So I noticed that that would happen all over the place. And, you know, with the government too, governments would scare you or businesses would scare you with something and they would sell products by scaring you or they would get your control by scaring you. So I saw this this happening, these, these irrational fears being used to control people as a universal thing. So I thought, you know, that's that's a great co- concept for a film, and I one that I really haven't seen, or maybe I mean. So, uh, um, so I, I wanted to pursue that, and I I was just in my bathroom one day, and I just was washing my hair, and I just heard this wind howling. It just, you know, when you're in your bathroom naked, you feel vulnerable. Right. So, uh, so I, I I I immediately thought, well, this is a good location for it too, because uh, I have this location. So, um, and I'm I'm feeling the fear. So that then one thing led to another, and that's that was the genesis of the project. 
watching it, I liked how everything felt so tiny and confined. I mean, mo most everything took place in the bathroom, but even when the woman leaves... Sorry, I got some dogs going. Oh, uh, it's all good. Yeah. Your dog's excited to hear about your yeah, project. absolutely. <laughs> but... Uh, even when she leaves the bathroom and then goes into the living room, everything just feels, you know, like you're you're confined to this little space and you can't get out. And with all the crazy visual things going on at the end, and you know the the subtle music and the sounds and everything, it, it was it was really cool. I, I well, really enjoyed it. Thank you. Yeah, I, I wanted to go for that 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 feel of, um, you know, the basically you know the claustrophobic feeling you have in your mind. With, with that kind of confinement. So, I mean, to that effect, we, you know, in the bathroom, I use this really, a lot of times, real wide-angle lens with a, with a lens really close to her. So it just kind of gave that kind of vibe. And, uh, you know, that just, um, yeah. And, and like I said, just the claustrophobic feeling of just of being um, surrounded and confined by your fears and where you just... You don't know what to do, and you have no place to go. Yeah, who who was the actress in the in the film? So that's Jessie Rabideau. Now, did you know her previously, or did she audition for the part? Well, so what what happened was we were going to work on another project before that, a short film, and the other short film had um, about four or five actors and um, a couple locations and things like that. And just, you know, one thing after another started failing with the project. Um, my lead actress on that project booked this commercial, so we had to change, reschedule, and then we lost the location and blah, 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 so on and on. So um, after that project completely collapsed and fell apart, I had Jesse, and um, I had fear. And, as, and I, I had auditioned other actresses for the, for the project, but a lot of them had problems with it um, as far as nudity, because there's some nudity, and right. uh, yeah, and um, then I met Jesse, and um, I just thought she'd be perfect for Fear, so um, that's why I decided to pursue that. And it was an easier film because it had just like one actress, and I knew I had the location, which is basically my apartment. Oh, cool! Yeah, now that that's I mean that's the perfect place to shoot a film is your own home because yeah, you know you'll just, have access to it see that's it and it's so funny because i had my other you know my other film i lost locations it's just so frustrating because you know to um to coordinate all these things can, can sometimes be maddening that that's kind of the cool thing about you know guerrilla filmmaking or indie filmmaking or you know filming on a micro budget is trying to get locations that you know you'll have you know you'll have access to it pretty much any time because I, I i've i've made a couple of small short films myself and i would use locations that i knew i would be able to get access to and would have free reign over and there you know there were a couple of uh a couple of exceptions you know i had to use a classroom for one scene or use another building for something else but you know that that's that to me that's kind of the the cool and advantageous thing about something like that yeah, you know, absolutely, and I think also a lot of times, I, I, you know, one of my mentors is Quinn, Quinn Redeker, who wrote The Deer Hunter. He actually won an Academy Award for The Deer Hunter, and one, one thing he says is that, you know, um, an artist needs constraints. So if you just, 
and I've really found this to be true too. You know, if you say, Steve, go ahead and write about anything you want, and you can do anything you want, and you can do everything, and you have every location, and you have all the money, boy, then it becomes hard. But then if you say, okay, you just have the bathroom, you have one actress, and we don't want her to speak too much because it's going to be kind of quiet. And so then the more limitations you put the, and constraints, it almost gives you a, um, a context and it almost, it almost make, pushes your hand in certain ways, which is sometimes what you need you know, as a writer and as an artist because sometimes too much freedom can't, is not a good thing. Right. But I, I think in this aspect with fear, it was good that she didn't speak too much, and it was more about the surroundings and the subtle noises and everything, because that's kind of what fear is. Yeah, me. absolutely. And also, it's as we, as I was saying, it's really we're in her head a lot, and we go more and more into in her head as the story progresses. So to translate that, I really wanted her not to have too much dialogue and too much too much to say. And it's just really her with in her world. Although, you know, the, we think that her lover's in the other room at one point. She kind of calls out to him. But, um, yeah, but, but, but um, it's really just her. It's all internal. Yeah. More and more. It goes more and more in her head. Yeah. What is your favorite aspect of the filmmaking process? Um, you know... You know, they're, they're all great, and they're all horrible at the same time. Not, not horrible, but they're all tough at the same time. So, I mean, you know, writing is great, but then um, because it's just so creative and, and, and you can just do anything. But, but then again, sometimes if you have no constraints, it drives you crazy, and you, and you, have, to, you have to look at a blank page sometimes. And then directing is, is so fun, too, because you get to interact. And as for me, I get, to, I get to act every part, so I get to act with the actors and things but at the same time, it just it can be so frustrating too because, you know, you deal with um, all these little minor issues like, like um, scheduling things and just making sure everything works out and have kind of ha- having your mind on everything so that you have everything covered and you get all your footage and you and you and you get everything in the can, and then, you know, editing is great because you can. You can um, put everything together, but then you get, get this, this frustration happens because things don't look like they looked on set or they, they look different and you kind of misjudge some things. That's, so, I mean, everything is terrific. I mean, acting is great too, but then there's frustrations of that too. So I think there's, there's no one great, but there's all great and everything has kind of balanced things that are tough with it too. So it's, it's really, I don't know, it's a passion and you know, I think that any passion or anything you love, there's there's not an all great thing about it. It just there's mix. There's always a mix mix about it. Right. So, random question: When you say if you want to sit down and just watch a movie, just to enjoy it, what what what's your favorite genre of movie uh, to watch? Just just as a fan to be entertained. God, you know, I don't know. It's so funny. I just saw. Um, Maleficent on HBO, and I, you know, I thought I was like I was entertained by that. It was it was by no, by nowhere near perfect, but I thought oh, this is kind of fun and interesting. So, you know, I like beautiful imagery. I like um, I like seeing like I think that I shot Fear in a beautiful way. So I like I like something that's just beautiful. So whether it's horror, which I I love, like I loved American Horror Story for the way it looked and things, or just um, 
like Maleficent, because I thought it was beautiful. And some films, of, a lot of Kubrick stuff is beautiful. I love things that are just beautifully shot. Um, but I also love, um, I love like deep family stories. Like I love uh, American Beauty mm-hmm. because I love the I love the connection of the characters, and I or I love The Graduate because I love like I I love the 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 relationship story. So I would love to make something like that. That would be amazing. And um, I mean, there's just so much. It's it's hard to say. It's funny too because I mean, Fear is my first real horror and psychological thriller film but i had a great time doing it i think that uh, horror is great because it's just so beautiful and you know there's there's horror can be um shot beautifully and a lot of times it is so that's fun to me too i think so i think for me like a film a great film first has to just on on the most surface level just should be beautiful and just beautifully shot and i mean if you think back to the first day films i like like star wars or Raiders of the Lost Ark, those films were like that too, just, you know, beautiful composition and beautifully shot films. But then going deeper, I like um, a film to kind of have a meaning to me. I mean, maybe at the deepest level, have a meaning to me and where you just kind of maybe 10 years later, 20 years later, you go, oh, that the Fight Club was about the emasculation of, of males in society. I just got that. That's amazing. So it's great if, if a film can strike you later with a deep meaning. And I think that that's a very... Uh, all too rare thing to happen but um like i just mentioned fight club it's it's there and in some in like a lot of kubrick films um there's a lot of meaning which is why i love kubrick and then um you know in the middle somewhere it's great to to see fun interesting characters like like the one i did when i was a kid with a robot versus out you know crazy character with a crazy voice or something is always um a fun thing to see and and is very interesting you said that you like films that are really like visually beautiful. Have you seen Birdman? No, tell me tell me tell me about that film. Do you like it? I loved it. I, I have have you heard about how it was shot? You know, I heard it was all like a lot of one take or one take. The and... whole the whole film looks like one continuous camera shot. Yeah. There, there are no cuts or anything except for a montage that's at the very end of the movie. But other than that, it looks like one continuous camera shot. And I heard about it a couple of days before I actually sat down and watched it because I saw it, I think, two weeks ago or whenever it first came out on DVD. But I was like, I, I don't know if that's going to work. And I was actually sitting there looking to see if there were any cut points. But they did it you know, seamlessly. I mean, I'm sure hmm. I'm sure there were cut points, but they masked it very well. Yeah, and, and the acting was was great. Michael Keaton was very good. Uh, Edward Norton was my favorite character in that whole movie. Hmm. He, he was like the the very overly eccentric uh, stage actor, right? But he he did a very good job with it. But it, I I would I would watch it. I I, yeah. I thought it was very good. Yeah, that's that's one movie that I want to see this year. I, I yeah, and I I just I, I'm so I've been so in my own world that I haven't seen it. But yeah, and you know it's so funny because, you know the the movies that kill at the Oscars are kind of movies that I want to hate. Like, uh, I, did you have you seen the the artist left from last year? Or, yes. Was the artist last year or two years ago? Yeah. So I don't know if you if you like that movie, but I really hated that movie. So, <laughs> so I feel like sometimes 
if the, if the Oscars love a movie, it's like crazy love. I, I, I guess me worried that it's probably not going to be that good. And so that's why I'm interested in seeing Birdman. No, Birdman was very, very good. I, good. I, I think you would enjoy it. But I, I'm, it I'm kind of the same way when I see the list of you know Oscar nominations for Best Picture or really anything. Most of them I either have no interest in seeing or have not heard of. Yeah, so, I mean that's that's kind of why I've been drawn away from the Oscars because it, that used to be the one award show that I would always sit down and watch. But this year I didn't watch any of it. Well, I think because because the, the movie industry has been failing us so badly that I think that a lot of people have have had that that feeling too. And I think that you know the, no, a lot of people hadn't seen any of the Oscar movies. I know that I really haven't, and um, it's just because you know episodic TV is so great. You know when you look at like um, Breaking Bad or or um, House of Cards, you have these amazing shows, and then these movies that are just—they're not as good as, as as what TV's making these days, and and um, that's a sad thing. And uh, so the industry is not not in the greatest place right now. Yeah, I've had this conversation with several people, but I really think that over the next ten to fifteen years, the streaming on-demand media like Netflix, Hulu. They're all going to get bigger, and traditional broadcast things I don't think will ever truly go away, but – and I've mentioned this also before. Breaking Bad kind of introduced binge-watching to everyone yeah. because that show didn't get big until it hit Netflix Yeah, because it, the ratings weren't even that great until the final season, and they just skyrocketed because – you know, everyone caught up on it with Netflix, and they couldn't wait to see what happened uh, yep. in the final season. But the show's like, you know, I haven't seen House of Cards, but I've heard it's incredible. But in, yeah. in other shows, like Orange is the New Black, uh, the upcoming Daredevil series uh, on Netflix, to me, that that's really the way to go, because you have these full seasons that are available instantaneously, on Netflix, and you pay what eight or nine dollars a month for it. Yeah, and yeah, and it's that's the way to go because you can watch them at your own leisure. You can watch one episode a week, or you can take a weekend and watch the entire season. You know, I th I think that's true. And in fact, I think even I'll go further than that. You know, just as movies killed theater, you know, a long time ago, really they they really just killed theater because. You know, there was really no point in going to see plays when you could just see a movie. It was just easier and actually better. You know, the acting in movies was better, the music was better, and and the visuals were better. You could they could really take you to some new place. Well, just as just as movies killed theater, I really do think that online streaming of these episodic TV shows is really can kind of shows the age of movies, and maybe maybe it's it's not you know maybe movies the way we know them are not really Maybe they're antiquated because people do love to have fall in love with characters and see what they do with in the next show and, and binge watch as you said and have that own their own leisure of doing it when they when they want to. So um, yeah, it's really rev revolutionized things and you know the movie industry answered the whole thing with um with the with the, they answered the internet with these huge IMAX you know transformer movies which they they just said well since the small screen is is going to take over. Um, we're going to get just our, we're going to make our screen even bigger. So they just had big, huge blockbuster Transformer movies that um, 
you know, they do pretty well. They, they do really well, and they're international, and so that's why things don't look... I mean, I think that's why maybe movies won't come back to to the greatness of the, of the Stanley Kubrick 70s and, and 80s films and 60s films. I completely agree. Yeah. Um, do you have any upcoming uh, film projects you have in the works? Well, I'm, I'm working with, with a few producers to turn fear into a feature. Um, oh, cool. But yeah, so we'll see if that happens. I mean, you know, that's really kind of contingent on how how well it does in film festivals and how what kind of um, – you know what, what kind of buzz I can get going on. It's actually been doing really well. We've in, in only a few months we've gotten into ten film festivals, so that's been great. And um, we're playing like three or four, three or four, no, I mean five locations this month all over the world. That's great. So yeah, it's it's been it's been really good, and it's been the f- film's been really well received. But but you know that being said, who knows um, if if it'll go to the feature? I hope it does. But I'm always writing and have other projects and kind of things in the back of my mind. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah, I I hope you know it continues to have more success. But uh, oh, thanks. Uh, last thing I wanted to ask you: Do you have any uh, social media or maybe a website for fear that uh, people could check out? Yeah, absolutely. Um, let me get that for you. So um, we're on Twitter at um, at fear underscore film, and also on Facebook at fear dot short. Fantastic. Well, thank you very much for coming on the show for the interview. This was great. Thank you so much, Derek. I really appreciate it. Big thank you once again to Steve Kahn for that really fun interview. And don't forget you can check out all of our shows on iTunes, Stitcher Radio, and NerdCaveNetwork.com. On Mondays, you will have the Derek Diamond Experience. Tuesday is the Nerd Cave Podcast. Wednesday, Fist of Monkey. Thursday, Pop Culture Palette. And this Friday, we will have time for comics. But until then, I'm your host, Derek Diamond. Hopefully you enjoyed this week's episode, and we will see you guys next Monday. Listening to a Nerd Cave Network production.